0: Welcome to the EDM Producer Podcast. This is the show where we interview successful EDM producers from around the world, and we ask them what they're doing in the studio, how their career's going, get some marketing tips out of them for you guys. The whole goal of the show is to help you out there become better musicians yourselves and get your music out there and get it heard. Now, be sure if you have not gone to edmr.com, that's edmr.com, join the hot list. Being on the hot list gets you entered into all the contests we have on the network. You'll get emailed every time we release a new show. Anytime we find a really cool deal online, be it for a synth or software or something like that, we will send that through the hot list. It's just a cool extra bonus to have as part of the show, and we'd love to have you on there. It's totally free. Now, we always have awesome producers on the show. This show is absolutely no different. James Macon is joining us from Clearwater. He produces under the name Jame and uh, really happy to have him here. He's only a couple miles down the street from me, to be honest. But um, I guess he didn't want to come over and do this show live and just be amidst all the cat toys and crappy old electronics in my apartment.
1: <laughs> but anyway. No, it's just that I wanted to stay in my bathroom. That's all. I know, that's
0: so smart. <laughs> I know people, when actually, when people come over, they're like, wow, look at all the electronics. And then then I say, and the cat toys, right? And yeah, and there's nothing else in my apartment. If like you took those two things out, I would have like one table. Oh
1: God. Yeah.
0: Anyway, man, thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, dude, totally. Uh, So how's it
0: going? (laughs) I'm fine. I'm happy to get this podcast rolling again. We took a bit of a hiatus during the summer, but um, we're going full force now and I'm having so much fun with it. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and the kind of music you're doing these days.
1: Um, well, as far as music goes, um, I like to do music production, um, mostly electronic, uh, maybe like some rock, uh, like guitar elements and stuff like that in there. But, um, I've been kind of like all over the place as far as genres go. Like, I, I first started out playing, you know, like live rock music and stuff, and then I kind of got into the, um, you know, industrial, I guess you could say, like kind of like Nine Inch Nails or Assemblage 23. I don't know. Gotcha. Um, But um, right now, I'm working with one guy that that I've worked with a couple times before. His name is Ron Tavian, and uh, he's a hip-hop artist. And um, he's just amazing. So it's like I have a couple people that I work with here and there that I kind of just like do music production and tracking and mixing for. And then my personal stuff, um, I'm actually working on an album that's probably the best way to describe it is a cross between like, I don't know, Porter Robinson kind of and Circus Survive, if uh, anybody's familiar with that. I get where you're going
0: with uh, just from listening to your tracks on your SoundCloud and the way you describe yourself as electro slash pop slash dubstep kind of sound.
1: Yeah. 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 That
0: totally. works. That works. And I see, you know, the like older tracks three or four years ago when dubstep was huge. You did a lot of that.
1: I, yeah, I kind of decided it's, I'd rather make like songs, you know, more like music that you could listen to, not only like at a club, but also just kind of like with lyrics and things that were about actual stuff, not just like partying and stuff. Right. And um, <laughs> so um, it's more like, you know, a song that maybe has some dancey parts to it or maybe like the album will have a couple dancey tracks. But overall, I want it to be more like something that communicates something. And um, overall, I'd say the album is probably going to be pretty dark or melancholy. But um, there's a lot of upbeat, you know, choruses and stuff like that, you know. And when I say Port Robinson, I mean like the melodic uh, characteristics that he has to his music, you know, like a lot of melody and a lot of like Heavy synths, but it's not like abrasive and, um, you know, just crazy sounding. Right. Like it, it can get a little intense, but it's more listenable. As far as just like, you just have your headphones on and maybe you're like walking somewhere or working out. It's not like you're wasted at a club kind of a right. sound, you know.
0: Right. That's what I was just yeah. gonna say. Something you could just sit there and listen to with some like nice, like headphones or speakers. You know, sometimes the club music you could just listen to so much of it and it's just like a wall of sound in your face and you can I can only listen to it for like 15 10 15 minutes sometimes without just feeling like this is not good music for my car or this is not good music to just chill with yeah so i'm definitely welcome yeah. to some more melodic like actual songs that people are doing these days
1: yeah exactly
0: let's talk about your studio because you sir might be the only guest i've had so far that uses studio 1 I've been like championing if I said that right Studio One since I started this show and some people go what I never heard of it but since you use that dude isn't it the best
1: It is amazing and um I don't know if you you came across it the same way I did but um I used to have Crystal Audio Engine which was like a free almost like on the you know order of magnitude of um audacity where you know that you can't really do a ton of stuff with it There. I don't think Audacity had like MIDI integration or anything. And Crystal Audio Engine was like the same kind of deal. And I just used it so much when I was younger and I I was doing like, you know, the industrial and rock type music, which may seem kind of counterintuitive because there's no MIDI support. But um, (laughs) um, I just liked it so much that uh, when they actually announced that they were releasing a new DAW and at the time it was going to be called... um, K2, I believe is what they they kind of like working title named it. Okay. And that's what became Studio One. And um, it was a collaboration between the people who made creative or who made um Crystal Audio Engine and Presonas. So okay. um they came out with Studio One and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And at this around the same time, I actually started working at a studio and I had been using Pro Tools there and starting to like. Get a little bit into logic, and um, I even explored like Reaper, but um, using Studio One, it just seems so much more intuitive, and it had a lot more functionality that was available, plus like direct Melodyne integration, which is really nice. Yes, so that's definitely um, my favorite DAW for sure.
0: That's cool. I didn't know that about Crystal. I remember Crystal. I haven't used. I didn't use it much. Was it just a multi-track audio DAW basically?
1: Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, it only had like two plug-in inputs per channel. Okay. And, you know, I think it had a max of like 48 tracks. So it was like, it was almost like synonymous with using like a tape recorder where it's like, if you have four channels, you had to bounce it all down to one and oh then you God. could use three more. And it was like a pain <laughs> in the ass for sure. But, um, you know, I didn't know anything at the time. So it, was, yeah. it worked.
0: It probably <laughs> sounded good.
1: Yeah, it sounded fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, from what it I know just, about... S- you know, yeah. From what I know about Studio One, uh, I, I didn't know it was from Crystal, but I, I do know that the guy who created Cubase, I think, had a big part to play in this as well. He wanted oh, okay. to make something that was much easier, and I think you could actually just turn it on and make music with it. And that's why yeah. I like the doll. I mean, I've tried them all. I literally bought most of them, and it's just the easiest one to use, and it's the most fun, and it just fits my workflow I mean, a lot of guys use FL and a lot of guys use Ableton and Logic and Mm -hmm. I've tried them all too, but just, this just goes with my workflow. So I can't like diss any other doll, but if if anybody hasn't tried this and they've just, they think Pro Tools is the best doll in the world, just try Studio One. Um, Yeah. A lot of huge guys are switching over. Like the the guys who who do Pro Tools Expert, he switched to Studio One. I listened to a podcast called Working Class Audio. He had owned a recording studio. He switched over to Studio One. I just love hearing when that happens.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Pro Tools, I feel like over time has been getting a little better. But it's like things that… It's almost like iPhones and Androids where it's like Android has had one feature for so long. And then Apple finally releases the same feature. But it's like they promote it as if it's a novel idea (laughs) that has never been done before. Exactly. And it's like Studio One will have been able to do, you know, maybe like… 64-bit processing, you know, and it's like that's been around for like at least a couple of years, I think now. And Pro Tools, you know, only within the last year, I think, or maybe uh, the year before, like came out with it and it was like, you know, finally, 64-bit processing. It's like, yeah, but it's already existed for other I know. I know. There are definitely like advantages to Pro Tools as far as like when you have like a real, you know, huge recording setup with like a mixing board stuff like that. And, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, like, I just haven't ever had the opportunity to run Studio One in that kind of environment to know, like, would it sync up and work the same, you know, as, as well as Pro Tools does, right? Without, you know, crashing or glitching or whatever. Cause at home, it's just if you just have an Mbox or, you know, like a Firewire type uh, um, uh, preamp or something, it's not really a ton of complexity there. Studio one to right. handle, so I I don't know because I haven't been able to test it on like a console, like a real console.
0: Exactly, but, I don't know um, how it would stand up to that either. And it could probably do it now. I mean, you see the things they do on Personas' website, some of the live streams they do, like, they're they're like using it in a, like definitely pro level fashion, and they have mixing boards and controllers and stuff. So I don't know, but um I know what you're talking about. You're probably talking about Clear Track Studio in uh in Clearwater, yeah, where you, you use Pro Tools there.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, these i actually did the art of recording course there um if anybody is ever in the Clearwater area go to clear track studio it's beautiful it's just a beautiful perfectly put together studio and uh there's just awesome people that work there i did a i did some training over there yeah
1: they're all awesome
0: are not they is it's it's just such a great place to be I'm, i'm so glad it's like close to me
1: it really is it's amazing
0: but they use Pro Tools. I mean, you can't blame them, but they use it. And uh, I remember when I was doing this course over there, like three years ago, I, I would say to the owner, I'm like, Did you ever hear of Studio One? And he's like, No, 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 we can use Pro Tools. And he, he's like, Look at this feature, look what this could do. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, I didn't want to say that I'm like, yeah, yeah like, Studio One does that. And then, like, as the course went on through the weeks, I'm like, Studio One does just about everything you showed me and more. Yeah. But the clincher, and then I'll get off Studio One. The clincher was that uh Pro Tools at that time had to do real time rendering. Like you actually had to sit through right. the whole song as you rendered it. And this was not yeah. that long ago. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like everything we render, we gotta sit through it in real time. So yeah, for me, that was
1: it was an interesting experience. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you could now I don't think you have to, but um, you know, it's just like it it depends on the genre and stuff. It's like they have a lot of gear there that can facilitate a lot of different you know types of music like classical music and like basically anything you could imagine they could they could handle there. Oh yeah, and um, it's the uh, I think it's because of the um the hardware that they use is only really compatible with Pro Tools. It's like the digital audio converters that they use, and it's like they know that this setup works, and that's why they use it. And because Pro Tools is just kind of like the generally well-known industry standard. It's just kind of like, this is what we use. But if you go into one of their smaller studios, you'll actually find a copy of Studio One in on one of the computers. I brought it over because I was working there for a while. Nice. So, nice. Uh, if, you ever, if you ever want to use it, I think it's Studio C that has it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, yo, I, there's… N- I am by no means
0: dissing that studio Uh, Yeah, I get blown away every time I work. Like I walk in there, I'm like, what is this, Mike? This is new. And almost every piece of gear in there is over a thousand dollars. He only buys the best. He just only, he won't settle for anything less. He buys the best stuff. And that's why I wanted to do this, that course. I recommend everybody doing this. Um, if you have a chance to like go or intern or work at a recording studio, do it because you'll see what the best is you'll learn what the best, how it sounds. And then you'll have a good reference point for your stuff. Like I wanted Mm -hmm. to know what, what the pros use, what's the best equipment out there. So I could at least have a comparison to something I'm doing at home. And that, that studio nailed it for me.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: All right, James, see, you get me started on studio one. I don't shut up. And this, this show is (laughs) supposed to be about you. All right. So Uh uh, tell us about your
1: workflow. Like
0: how do you write a song typically? Do you have any uh, kind of standard things you do?
1: Um, that's been something that's changing or that's been something that's changed over time. Um, I used to just kind of get on the computer and, um, mess around until, you know, I got something that I liked. This is, you know, as far as electronic music goes. And then I'd kind of like write some lyrics outside of that, you know, they just were kind of like totally disrelated and I'd try and match things up over time. But for this album, because I kind of was going through a little, uh, you know rough time of not doing anything at all for like over a year so uh in order to try to get back into it i decided to like write out a whole like strategy i guess you could say as far as like how to tackle doing this album because i have a ton of ideas and um in order to do it what i did was uh Basically, I decided the first thing I'm going to do is write the songs as far as lyrics and just like a basic chord structure goes. Okay. And that's something that's really easy to do. You know, you just pick up a guitar. If you play piano, you use a piano or whatever. And, um, you know, record it on your phone. Or what I did is I took my laptop outside and just kind of like used the shitty laptop mic just to like pick up the sound of all the different tracks so that I had my basic pre-production done. You know, like right. the general format the general like what the lyrical melody will be like and whatever so it's like and if you go to clear track they'll tell you to do something like that as well like you want to do your pre-production before you go to track um and so i kind of like expounded on that like maybe if i do this it'll help me kind of get things going and it did help a lot so i basically went through and i picked like the top 12 songs out of maybe 20 30 that i was doing And I was like, all right, these are the songs for the album. And so then from there, I go to the computer, you know, like the actual setup with the monitors and everything. And I start fleshing out, you know, how I want the sounds to be as far as sound design. And um, sound design is something I used to spend a ton of time on. Right now, I think um, after, you know, after doing this kind of music for a while, it's like organic sounds are really nice to work with because it's like using a guitar, it already has so much. Um, it's already. It sounds so much like a guitar. It's like you're not starting with just like a simple sine wave. And then you have to like figure out how to make it sound like what you hear in your head kind of a thing, you know? Yes. So it's like I'll use a lot of guitars and stuff like that just to kind of like put some foundation. And you may not even know where there's a guitar in the song because I've, I've screwed with it so much that it doesn't sound like one anymore. But um, <laughs> But, you know, I like to have like a little bit of that mixture. And then as far as the synths go, um, you know, I use all of like uh, Native Instruments complete package. So it's like massive and all the other stuff that everybody uses. But um, I have spent a lot of time over the past years learning, you know, how do I get this sound? How do I get that sound? And so I generally am able to throw something together really quick, but I don't want to spend six hours sitting there tweaking. You know, I just want to get it all out and done. And then after I've got like the whole format done, I just kind of go through and I add all the little details and any other overlays and any vocal harmonies or whatever. And that's pretty much how it goes.
0: No, it's cool that you do that. And it's, it's smart to putting down like a, getting like a bass down, like a bass song with chords and lyrics mm-hmm. because you, you have to start somewhere. And I think that's where a lot of people fall down is like they don't know where to start and it stops them right there. So the fact that you just lay it out, even on a crappy mic, you have something to work with. Then after that, it's a, it's a good way to exactly. do exactly. Yeah,
1: and otherwise, it's like what I what I found is by just trying to do everything all at once, all the mixing, the mastering, and everything at the same time. If you really like are in high energy creative mode, that can work. But what I've run into is, I'll write like the beginning of a song or like just a part of a song, and it will be it'll just sound so amazing. But then I get stuck. And I can't continue because I just didn't really think the whole thing through. And it's like, oh, well, now I don't want to like, fuck up this part because that sounds so good. And I'm going to make something else that's just mediocre. I, I, and then what ends up happening is you pile up all these tracks that are just like 30 second, a minute long, and you just never finish it. <laughs> and so it's like, I'm trying to avoid that by doing the whole format first.
0: Dude, you just explained exactly what I do all day. Like... <laughs> are not all day, but like all my songs are two four bars or two bars. That's it. And I stop. It's yeah. exactly how you described it. So I'm going to take your advice and just try to write a full song <laughs> and then put it in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. Because otherwise you get stuck on the significance of like, you know, I need this sound to be just a little brighter or a yeah. little more intense or a little heavier or whatever. And you just spend hours on that shit. And I could spend hours on that shit still, but at least if I get the format down... I know that there's, like, I'm not done until I've completed that whole song.
0: Right. There's, like, more song to add after the beginning. Exactly. And what you said about being afraid you're going to screw up what you did in those four bars, that's... I have that fear. Like, I write something I think sounds great, and I just... I don't want to touch it when it's done, and I don't want to add anything to it. So you're just stuck with this non-song. So that's yeah. great that you brought that up man at least for me you helped at least me on this show right now <laughs> <laughs>
1: totally man
0: cool totally hey do you have any um production tips like say you just, you wrote the chords you have your lyrics you now want to put the song into the doll do you have any i don't know cool things you do in actual production maybe with uh plugins or eqs or something like that that you think would help the listeners
1: um yeah i mean there's a ton of stuff <laughs> I guess it just depends on like what kind of sound, but um, you know, I like to have. Lately, I've just been into this like, uh, what's that song by um by Drake? It's like uh, Hotline Bling. No, not that one. <laughs> it, it was it was before that. It was a little yeah. more. It was, hold on, we're going home. You know, just hold on, we're going home. Okay, but I don't know. That song is like kind of. Um, it references a lot of 80s type sounds. And it's like some of the 80s to me is like really bad. And some of it, there were just a few sounds in there that were just like so cool. Like the kinds of reverb they use and the kinds of of bass lines and stuff. Yeah. And um, so one thing I like to do is I love that like really ambient reverb. That's just like, but it's super subtle. And it's like one thing that I'll do is I'll bust out, you know, a reverb that's got, you know, a high and a low pass on it probably mostly like the the lower mids i guess you could say and i okay. put a ton of compression on it so it's like you just have this really thick reverb and you just bring it down and um it's something that usually you'll only hear you know very subtly if if uh, only on headphones even but it's just something that gives a lot of space and then um you know that uh, uh kind of like Backwards, you know, like reverse reverb kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Like something I'll do sometimes is uh, I'll take the mic and actually put it up to a speaker and record a um, a delay. Like like uh, what do you call it? I guess yeah. I guess it's just like a delay. There's one plugin that I use. It's called Bionic Delay. Okay, and um, it's just a really nice like. Uh, thick, analogy sound, you know, emulation, of course. Right. But it's, you know, a really nice delay and I'll put the feedback on it really high to the point where it starts to get distorted. And what I like to do is I'll track sometimes like a whole minute of that and just like find a good spot in that. Sometimes I'll reverse it. Sometimes I'll put a little reverb on that or I'll put um, some sort of filter on that to um, kind of add some depth in certain areas of the song or just like lead-ins to like heavier parts of the song, like going from like a, a pre-chorus to a chorus or whatever. And um, it's like, because I don't, I try not to use the pre-made samples of like, you know, this is like a, a build-up sound or like, you know, those laser beams that you hear a lot <laughs> and like upset music and shit. It's like, I don't want to like use the same thing that everybody's been using all the time. And right. it's not that I'm trying to be different completely like if there's a really good sound I'm totally going to use it and I have no no shame there because it's like that's just an amazing sound I'm going to use it right but if it's like something that's been overused and I'm just kind of sick of hearing it I try to create my own version of that um, and it's going to be nothing like what it, what the original sound is but it's just something that fills the same space as far as like the frequency spectrum goes it's like you need the same kind of feeling and so I try to create things like that, and that's more more of like a sound design thing, not so much production, but kind of. But um, no, that's a good too. I don't know. I guess I could say, um, I I don't know. I use a lot of this one brand of plugins. Don't tell um, me.
0: Don't tell me. Is it for reverb? No. Oh, I mean No, not
1: really. Why? What do you use for reverb? I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say Valhalla for reverbs. Oh but, no. I mean I do I have used that a few times like a clear track and stuff but I'm just talking about the um I don't know something that just gives the music kind of like more meat and it's totally just an artifact but the brand is called Kajeros. like it's it's kind of hard to tell how you're supposed to say it but let me see if I can find a spelling real quick.
0: No they're they're crazy. They and they're free. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I've seen Avicii recommend or Laidback Luke told Avicii about the Kajaris Limiter. And Avicii used it now all the time. I remember seeing a tip on him about him for it. And yeah, uh
1: Kajaris. Yeah, I, I can't. Are they still available? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I this is something that I got back when I was using Crystal Audio engine. Yeah. Like I just had no idea. But um Yeah, these are old school. Can you spell it? Uh yeah, it's um K-J-A-E-R-H-U-S. Yes. Kajaris Audio. And um, I mean, I do use the Classic Master Limiter a lot that they have. Um, if only just once on the Master bus and with no gain at it at all, but just for the fact that it adds the sheer artifacts of whatever it is that it's doing. Really? Uh, it kind of just makes it sticky sounding, you know? But like sometimes it could be a little too much, so I don't use it all the time. But their compressor, I fucking love the compressor on vocals and on... Um, Mostly vocals, I guess. Get out also of here. On the drums, Yeah, vocals and drums. And I, what I do is I just slam the fuck out of it, you know, bring it down to like, I, I don't know, a 12 plus uh, ratio, uh, you know, and, yeah. uh, um, and the threshold I bring way the fuck down. And it just gives you like really intense gummy, like it's hard to explain, but it, it's just the detail it brings out. And then... Generally, what happens is there's a lot of artifacts that you kind of have to EQ out. So it's more of like an effect. And sometimes I'll have it on a bus so it's not like screwing up your whole vocal track. But um, it always adds like some weird artifacts around like 1K, one, one K, you know? So you always have to like find it and EQ it out. But <laughs> once you do that, it just sounds so good. Really? You know? I got to try that, man. That's a great tip. Yeah, I don't know why, but that and... Um, and a lot of the time I end up, uh, when I'm slamming the vocals with compressors and stuff, I end up having to use the multiband compressor. So, um, you know, mostly on the highs, just to like control the the S's and stuff yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I can get crazy, but... Um, well, especially I, the way you
0: sing. You, you definitely have that. Like, to me, it's like that early 2000, like, pop vo- vocal over like an electronic song, which I I love, I mean, because it's, it's very mm. melodic, it's very cool, it's very like, it's not a lot of flowing from one note to another, it's like, you're hitting, you're like just nailing notes, and I I just love the energy that comes with that. Thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool, and that, well now I know how you get that sound.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Conjuris, gotta get back, I gotta revisit them, revisit them. Do you ever hear of Mixcraft, that doll, that you could buy it at Best Buy? I don't think That. So. that That comes with Kajaris plugins. It it doesn't. It comes with a ton of VSTs that are all freeware, basically. So they advertise it on their box. You're like, yeah, it comes with all these synths and blah blah blah. But I looked at them in the box, and they're all just freeware. But the Kajaris is one of one of the things they come with, and that's I think that's where I first saw them. Uh, Okay, they're ugly. I mean, don't get don't get me wrong. They are very ugly plugins. But who cares what they look like? Yeah,
1: they're they're a little rough looking. But you know, I look at them and. I, I love it, like, just because I've had them for so long, and it's like, oh, yes, you know, the fucking classic compressor, yeah. I'm using this right now, you know, and it's just, I've, I guess I've gotten used to it, but definitely not not anything like the newer plugins now are all, like, super modern and sleek looking, so. Yeah, exactly. And there isn't there isn't much of a, there isn't much of a, um, you know, indication that, like, most other compressors will have of, like, how much it's compressing. It just has a little red light that Kind of blinks at you when it's compressing, <laughs> but um oh, there's another one though. Uh, you know the GVST series, TV plugins, G like goat, like goat.
0: Yeah, I don't know them. I don't know. Okay, them.
1: well they're another there are another bunch of there's there's three that I use. There's Kajaris, GVST, and MDA, hmm. and um GVST has a compressor that I also love to use, and that's a lot more graphic. Like shows you what's going on. You can see. And I kind of use that as like a second compressor over the um, the first compressor. It's like with the Kajaris compressor, I use that to kind of like bring out all the detail and give a lot of attack. With I usually set it with a, a long attack setting so yeah. that it's really rhythmic. And then I use the uh, the GVST plugin. Uh, I think it's Comp2 or they have two different ones that's part of their package. It's free. And um, I use that to kind of like limit it almost, you know, like I let it get through a little bit, but it's just to kind of bring it all down and uh, kill the dynamics a bit, you know?
0: I see. Just to tame it a little bit.
1: Just to tame it, yeah. And um, that's great for that also. But um, yeah, that and then um, there's one, one reverb that I could highly recommend too. I don't know if it's as sophisticated as Valhalla, like, as far as all the different options and stuff, like, there's a ton of options and modulation and stuff, but it's called the uh, Glace Verb, I think, delay. Really? I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. It's just like super huge sounding. Glace it's Verb delay? Huge. Yeah, Glace Verb. Interesting. And you say it's super huge sounding? Yeah, it's just, it's really nice. And, um, Oh, one other thing I guess I, I'd mention as far as like making things wider and more ambient, obviously, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know this, but using like stereo widening plugins, um, one thing that Studio One comes with is binaural uh, binaural panning. And um, this is actually something that Mike from ClearTrack defined to me, like what, what this means is uh, apparently binaural panning is like a technique where you have like, what you would imagine is a person sitting in a room and you put two microphones in, the, in place of where the person's ears would be and you track, like this is you know, old school like analog recording. Yeah. And you would track a band or whatever you're tracking with the main mics. You would do this as kind of like the room mics. And um, it's a stereo technique because you're using you know, the quote-unquote left and right ears of a person to get that sound. And so this plugin, I guess, is trying to emulate that kind of. But um, really, it's just a stereo widening plugin. <laughs> it's but, it, and it is, it,
0: is it called binaural pl- or binaural? Um, what's it called? Binaural chorus?
1: Pa- panning. Panning? Binaural panning. And it's yeah. in Studio One. Yeah, that's that comes with Studio One. Wow, At man. least uh, try that. You know the the Pro version or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah,
0: I've not used yeah. that yet. I probably yeah, know why because I probably didn't know what that meant. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, now you know. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome see Studio One tips I should start the Studio One podcast yeah you should everybody totally. should convert um, cool man I love these tips so far and I, I'm looking at some pictures of the GVSTs and then you said MDA is another freeware batch of plugins
1: yeah MDA VSTs yeah they, um, they're a little bit less sophisticated but something that I've used for them quite a bit is their overdrive Um, for vocal distortion on like a bus track. And um, it just gives you like a really fuzzy uh, strokes vocal sound. You know the strokes? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that guy's voice and the effect that he always has on his voice. It sounds almost identical to that. You know, you you just, you add a little bit of, um, it's got three parameters. I forget what what they're exactly named, but one is drive and um, muffle. And maybe there was something else. I forget. Probably just gain. And you can muffle it a little bit to take off the edge of that, of that distortion, and uh, just run it kind of alongside and in uh, parallel to the original vocal track. You know, to keep the clarity, and that's something that kind of adds a nice warmth, I guess you could say, depending on how you know how much you you go with that drive. But right, <laughs> you know, there's a few things in there that are kind of cool. Another one is um sub. What is it sub?
0: Sub bass synthesizer?
1: No, it's like a sub distortion thing. I don't know. It basically it uh, it takes whatever you're you've got the effect on, and um, it it separates it and brings down an octave or two, or I think it goes by semitones also. But this is something that you may not really need or have a use for in today's technology. But back in the day, I used to use this um, to turn a guitar into a bass guitar kind of you know like make it into a synth but it's still kind of cool to do stuff like that with you know just add a little a little layer like especially if you're going for like some weird like um without having to use autotune or melodyne to like create a lower octave version of something that you want kind of robotic sounding right right but um i mean there's tons of tons of stuff that i use melodyne for that have nothing to do with the vocals (laughs) and um that's something that I could go on and on about, but I won't.
0: No, let's, well, let's, let me just say, first of all, like with just with these freeware plugins you mentioned, they each come mm-hmm. with like a suite of stuff. Like you probably just gave us a hundred plugins to play with for free just now in that, in the last five minutes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so that
0: is awesome. I'm going to mess with these. Um, yeah.
1: Also, I mean, if you want to know like what I, what I use and I love then and I also have to tell you Bionic Delay, which I briefly referenced earlier is something that's amazing. Um it's just one of the best delays I've ever used. I still like it's just something about it. Everything else that I've used sounds really sterile. Like even what comes with Studio One, it's useful, but um you have to do a lot to it within the settings to get it to sound not super sterile. Even you know the analog I mean? delay like, in Studio One? Um I don't know about that one. Okay. Maybe maybe I've just never used that one, but the one I'm thinking of was just uh I, was it? I agree with you. Beat delay. It's beat delay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it
0: doesn't. I use only analog delay in studio one. I've I've noticed the same thing.
1: Okay. Well, maybe it's I've just used bionic delay for so long now. I just never really had a reason to look for something else.
0: And this is bionic uh, supra delay from interrupter.ch
1: uh let me check it out. And it's it's orange. The version the version I'm talking about is orange. Really? And um it took me a while to find it. Oh, after, is it the analogic know? delay? It is bionic delay by the interrupter. Got it. I see it now.
0: You're right. It's called bionic delay. It's it's kind of three, almost at the bottom of the screen. If you go to the interrupter.ch slash VST underscore donation, where blah, blah, blah. Just do a yeah. search for bionic delay and it'll it'll come up. It's towards the bottom.
1: Yeah, it's orange. And look for the orange one. Look for the orange one. There's another one that they also have, but the orange, I mean, I Another one might be good too, but I just know the orange one is the shit. <laughs> are these you know, free um, too? Yeah, it's also free. I mean, almost everything I use ex- except for complete uh, or native instruments is free. Wow. You know, most of the shit I use is free unless it's a virtual instrument. In that case, I, I don't have a ton of recommendations for free virtual instruments. Honestly, complete audio is just, they just kill it.
0: I know native instruments you know. That are like taking over the world.
1: But one quick tip I want to say on uh, this this delay is yeah. um, there's a, an offset that you can do on either side, you know, as far as uh, a stereo effect. You can kind of like just throw it off by a couple milliseconds on one side and that gives you a ton of expansion in, in the stereo field. So that's see. something I do a lot of times. Um, yeah, I mean, there's one thing. Um, I just wanted to see if I, if there's any other plugins that I that I'm forgetting.
0: I feel Um, like I have all these new toys to play with just looking at this stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, they're, they're awesome. Wow. I I mean, that's, that's a good, a good start. I guess you could say those are definitely some key things that I use all the time and I just love them, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. These are great, man. Thank you very much for that.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Tell us some uh, cool Melodyne stuff that you do. What's your favorite like use of Melodyne?
1: Um, my favorite use of melodyne. It's just fuck sounds up, man. Like I don't know. Like there's one thing. Um, I don't know if it's possible to like show you music through this. I've I've tried to I've tried to do it before, but it's a track I know you've heard. It's something that's not really on SoundCloud or anything, but um actually if you go to my website that that you know five minute video or whatever where I basically I'm asking everybody to donate to like pre-order my album, whatever. That track that you hear, the instrumental, that's an instrumental of a track that I'm working on. And there's something that I do with the guitars there where it's like clean guitar on the hard left and then just fucked up melody and guitar to the right. And it's just like this weird, like, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's, it's like pitch shifted guitar like up and down, like random octaves all over the place. <laughs> and it's literally like You just got to do it. You just got to put melanin on it and like, and just crank all the, all the, um, the foreman, you know, not, maybe not the foreman, but I'll do it occasionally. The foreman and the, um,
0: like all the correction settings.
1: Yeah. The, the modulation, the voice modulation, (laughs) like what you would normally have in the voice, you know, how you get the T-pain kind of sound by taking out all of the human modulation that goes with uh, a note when you're singing. Yes you know, that kind of natural vibrato, you take that out. I forget if it's called, called like um, pitch modulation or something like that. But you basically strip that and um, you maybe try bringing everything up an octave or down an octave. But in any case, whatever you do, any, anything that you do in Melodyne leaves like horrendous artifacts when you're doing especially things that aren't vocal related. Okay. And now, I mean, I'm at the point where I can hear Melodyne on like anything. Like it doesn't matter if all you did was put the effect on there as soon as you tweak one knob like 1% at all, it's like you get a slight chorus effect or like a, a phasing issue that right. goes on with with vocal tracks. Usually, you know, it's like ever so slight and most people wouldn't notice it, especially not like within, you know, all of these other instruments and stuff going on. Like you can usually get away with it if you're just doing small corrections, but um, it's still there. And so I've noticed like, putting on a guitar or like maybe your guitar is a little bit out of tune and it's like, yes, technically like you can go in there with Melodyne and pick out notes in, um, uh, what is it? Chord detection mode or whatever, where basically it can pick out all five different notes of a chord that you're playing and you can tweak one of them, but it screws up the sound so bad. And, um, I try to use that to my advantage (laughs) and use that as kind of, kind of use that as like an effect. And, um, I mean, some weird sounds, man. Like, I don't know if you've heard, like, Put Down Your Cards. That's that's one of the tracks that I did. And that was, like, a dubstep, you know, crazy track.
0: Yes, but, um, I did hear that.
1: A lot of the weird vocal sounds are just all, like, fucking with Melodyne. Really? You know, and then chopping them up. And I don't like to chop things up in Melodyne because uh, it's not not very good for that. Like, you can do it, but it's a really? little bit hard to keep track of things. But what I'll do is I'll... um. I'll just screw up the sounds a lot. And then um, it's literally just like random, <laughs> you know, it's just pull pull things really high, pull things really low. And if you do the same thing twice, like say you, you get rid of Melodyne, you know, because in Studio One, it kind of keeps it saved there. And you can just put it on and take it off really easily, as opposed to like in Pro Tools, I'm pretty sure you have to play the whole thing and let Melodyne kind of quote unquote, record it into Melodyne. And then you change it there. You know, it's like, it's a little bit more of a pain in the ass to use Melodyne and other DAWs. But in Studio One, you literally just like click on an audio track, doesn't matter what it is, hit Control M and then you have Melodyne like just analyzes it all for you. You can tweak it in real time, listen to it. It's great. I mean, it's it's just really awesome to work with in Studio One. So I like to use it. on the more eccentric kind of sounds just to like make them, make them sound like things that most people don't have right now. Like right. Not a lot of people do stuff that I've heard, at least in the mainstream. I'm sure somebody else has thought of it before, but <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. Well, everybody's thought of everything, um, but what we actually yeah. hear and what actually gets out there is a different story. But I, I love the right. fact that you're being original. That's I think that's one of the main things that we should promote through this show to people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you can, you can definitely make music in a, in a genre that exists and everybody's already done it a thousand times and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's always, you know, something nice about adding a new quality or even just integrating a little characteristic of some other genre into it. And that's what I've been trying to do with, um, with electronic music and rock is it's like, I don't want to sound like Linkin Park with you know, the, the 90s DJ sounds and stuff <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. the early 2000s. But um, I'm, I'm really, I guess, trying to go for the indie rock feel. Like indie rock with like excessive amounts of reverb and compression. And, and um, on this album, I'm trying to actually go back to achieve a little bit more of the dynamics that I feel like are being lost in electronic music now. It's like everything is super squashed and super loud. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I want to make things super loud too, but I want to have some like quiet parts, you know? Like if you ever listen to like Bohemian Rhapsody and it's like shit gets so quiet and then all of a sudden it's just like thunderously loud, you know, like in comparison. And um, I think that's something that's really cool to have in music. And um, just that motion that happens that, difference that occurs throughout the, the length of a song communicates a lot, regardless of what the melody is or anything else.
0: I agree with you. In fact, it's a shame. I think I would like a lot of songs I hear on the radio much more if they just had more dynamics. I, there's only so much sound you could like throw into my ears. It's like watching right. the Transformers movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, like, it's an assault on my senses. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think some songs would just be better. If they uh, chilled out on the squashing and the loudness of war,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I can't I can't say that I'm totally like on one one side of the you know of the war either though because it's like what I make like really crazy electronic music. I'll definitely like crank that shit and make it really intense, but I don't want that to be what I'm known for. You know what I mean? Yes, like, that's just kind of like for fun. I know, like that's what kids like, and it's like it's totally fine. Like people can like that, no hard feelings if you aren't into Bohemian Rhapsody. But I want to have something that's kind of like a crossover that has some of those characteristics. I want it to be like a dynamic change, you know. I don't want everything to be like. I was going to give you the example of like listening to Linkin Park on the radio. It's like, at least this is what I found: is you get like a really loud chorus or a really loud verse and then switches over to the chorus and it actually drops a couple decibels in volume it sounds like like it's just so slammed that the radio compression on top of what master compression is already on the song it's just like way too much i see and uh, it doesn't sound good <laughs> you know and i want i want the music to be you know really good and i want to maintain the clarity as as best as i can you know being like a at-home producer or whatever and i feel like Working at a studio has definitely given me a lot of insight as far as how to accomplish that, even with um, you know only working in the box without any out gear equipment. Really, I see, and um, and people just tend to screw it up, you know, trying to make things as loud as they can, and and once you bounce it out, and it's just, it's not gonna sound good if you if you can get your music on the radio. An overcompressed song just sounds way worse. Exactly. I know. So. I'm with you.
0: I'm with you. It's a shame. It's like you have this mm-hmm. perfect product and then it's like somebody steps on it, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, very cool stuff so far. Um, let's just cover a couple more things real quick before we end off. Okay. Um, now, uh, you've been doing this a long time and, you know, you, like you said, you play guitar. What
1: other instruments do you play? Um, pretty much all rock instruments, like drums, bass, um, I kind of, you know, I'm all right on the piano, not, nothing amazing, but I definitely can play a tune on it at least. And, uh, I don't know, a couple other things, like any stringed instrument, really, I feel like I could figure out within a matter of like 10 minutes, once you like know music theory and, and right. play guitar,
0: you know. Do you think knowing that is important for EDM producers out there? Just
1: music theory? Um, Knowing music theory, I think, is a great advantage. Yeah, because you'll save a lot of time when you're writing um, because you'll know what sounds good with what, you know, and it's not just guessing like, oh, maybe this note or maybe this note. Because I know a lot of electronic music producers locally who aren't so great at their music theory. And um, what what generally ends up happening is you get a a lot of monotonous sounding music, you know, it's like the same kind of note throughout the whole song, maybe with a bunch of different sounds, you know? Right. And um and if you know a little bit of music theory, you can do a lot. Like I I fucking love it, man. Like the kind of music that I play in guitar, um, it's generally a kind of a battle in itself trying to convert that into an electronic song. But if you use subtle enough instruments and stuff, you know, trying to get like seventh chords in there or um, you know, my my favorites are like minor and major sevenths. That's kind of like um, another electronic producer you could probably think of is uh, Wolfgang Gartner. You know, uses yes. a lot of a lot of uh, uh, classical kind of chords and stuff like that. And I love that shit. And um, I don't go quite that crazy with them, but knowing you know that those kind of chords exist and knowing the theory behind you know how you could um, make a chord progression is really handy. And. Um, if you don't know that, you're kind of just stuck there, you know, staring at your MIDI keyboard like, well, hopefully this sounds good. Or right. maybe this, maybe this. <laughs> right. I feel like you save a lot of time. I do too. Also, you know, trying to, trying to even uh, go from one song to another. Like, I don't actually do DJing like live or anything like that. But I know, you know, some of the people who DJ, it's like, they're great when it comes to rhythm and being able to match beats and uh, and maybe even throw a couple filters in to, to transition between songs. But if you knew music theory and you knew like the key that certain songs were in, you could a- actually really make things um, integrate well by picking another song that's in uh, a key that would make sense to transition into instead right. of just being completely random, you know?
0: Right, right. And if you did know theory, you would know it maybe it doesn't have to be the same key. Like you could go from a song it in doesn't. G to a song in D, and you know that most of the notes are kind of the same, so you can still get away exactly. with it. Whereas somebody exactly. else wouldn't. That's cool. Right. Cool. Now, um, has there been like a standout moment in your career so far? What has been the coolest moment for you as a musician so far in your life? Hmm.
1: That's kind of hard to say. I mean, I'm not really like a huge artist, you know. Like I don't think that many people really know about me. But um, one thing I guess that was kind of cool is some kids from uh, from Norway. One guy who. I think is doing really well now. He recently um, started working with uh, Axwell and um, his name is Lars, but he, he hit me up a couple of years ago to do vocals on a track that he was producing. And then it was like, we did two or three tracks. And then the next, you know, I think last year I did a similar thing with another artist, you know, from uh, where was he? Denmark. I don't know. Somewhere near Norway. You know, it's like, there's this whole cultural thing that they have when you finish school you um you do this this uh this whole party thing for like 13 days or something like really? everybody kind of like yeah they do like a pimp my ride to a school bus kind of like from what <laughs> i understand and i saw videos of it there there's like you know 13,000 kids that are like partying in a circle of pimped oh, out school yeah. buses
0: i saw that and maybe i saw it from your facebook or something like that i saw that recently
1: yeah it was just it was crazy like the kid who who produced the song basically sent me the instrumental, had me sing some vocals over it, write some lyrics, and then I sent it back. And he shows me this video of like thirteen thousand kids just like going nuts while this song was playing in the background. I thought that was fucking awesome. You know, like <laughs>
0: that's so cool, man.
1: All these kids. I mean, other than that, I've had like a couple small licensing deals here and there, like with um. Mostly older music, and maybe maybe a few people will have license to put down your cards, but um you know it's just the past couple of years I just got so so much into work mode I feel like I really dropped the ball in music production, so I'm trying to get back into it with this new album, and um I, I don't know, as far as like that was probably one of the best the coolest things that and then um working with other artists is really cool, you know like. Like this guy, Rontavian, I was telling you about before. His name is Rontavian Mack. Okay. Um, He's a a hip-hop artist. And I'm not really like that much into hip-hop myself. But it's just like meeting other musicians and other artists that do music. And I mean, you can meet some crazy people. And you can meet some really cool people. Right. And I love that, you know, about music. It's just like when you have something in common with somebody else and you're both really creative and it just clicks well. It's like wow, you know, this guy you don't you don't know like some artists I've worked with take forever to like get their ideas out and like finish a product, but this guy just comes with like a pad of paper, maybe like kind of half of a song written and I swear to god, we did like a five song EP over the course of like 2 weeks or something wow. and he probably came over to my house like 5 times. Wow. And it was just like Jesus Man, even like making the instrumentals for the tracks that he he sang on and rapped on, it's like those are like some of the fastest tracks I ever made. And it's just the high energy and the high creativity, you know.
0: I love that. I love you know people who can really just crank out production of music mm-hmm. or production yeah. of any type of art, even, and just keep making new stuff instead of being kind of stuck in something for weeks, months, or years. Um, to me, it's kind of like a indication of like. In my opinion, it's an indication of their skills. Like, if they can just crank out awesome stuff and not yeah. focus too much or get stuck in the past or in something they're in, you know, I think they, yeah. they're more
1: able as a musician. Totally. Yeah. I mean, other than that, um, I, there was one band that I, uh, I used to play drums for. Uh, they, I don't know if they're, I think they changed their name, but at the time they were known as Raising Theos. And I, I got to go up to Georgia to track some drums with them and, um, There's another local uh, band called Tides of Man that um, they were on tour at the time. We kind of like hitched right up with them to track with Raising Theos. Got to see like one of their shows and stuff. And that's probably like the closest I ever got to like, quote unquote, tour life. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that was pretty fun, but it wasn't really like, it wasn't like I was going to tour myself. Right. It was was just kind of like cool to get a little like glimpse inside of what that life would be like. And... um. I don't know. It was a blast. It what? was just... It was. Great. That's perfect. You got like a trial, like a trial period. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't... And honestly, I don't know that I'd want to live that life either right. after... You know, I mean, it'd, it'd be cool to like go on a road trip, but it's just like watching what these guys went through. It looked like hell, dude. Like...
0: Well, unless you have just, like your own like roadies and,
1: you know, all the people setting up
0: your gear for you,
1: you have to do it right, yourself. Exactly. Yeah, if you had roadies, then it probably wouldn't be that bad. But yeah. I mean playing shows back to back, moving all your shit, and it's huge amps and stacks and tons of drums and just oh my God. It it was it was great. It was, you know, amazing in the good sense and the bad sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: just yeah. wow. Well, that's so. the beauty of electronic music. I love that somebody could just walk into somewhere with a laptop and just make a full album. It blows me away. Right. But okay. aside from that. Um, you mentioned earlier about getting back into music after working, um, and, and kind of dropping it for a while. I, I did the same thing, man. I'm so glad I got back into music. Let's talk about, you know, your latest endeavor. I mean, you mentioned your site and a song on your site. I w- I just want to say that it's, your site is jamesmakan.com, J-A-M-E-S-M-A-K-A-N.com. That, that's the site you would want people to go to, right? To check out your uh, more. Totally. About you. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right, well, tell us like, you know, what your plans are for the future. What you would like the people if they're interested in finding out more about you, where do you want them to go and uh, how they can help you, you know, forward your music into the future.
1: Um, well, basically, if yeah, if you just go to my website, you could find out probably everything you'd ever want to know about me, if not more. <laughs> and um, you eat ants. And, or you used to eat ants. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, you know, as a kid, got to get my protein. <laughs> But um, <laughs> um, yeah, there's some embarrassing stuff on there too, <laughs> but whatever. Um, I don't know. As far as like helping me, if, if, you, if you like the music that you hear on my site, then please pre-order an album or, you know, like spread the word with other people you think might like that kind of music. My plans are pretty much to finish this album uh, that I'm working on this year. And then uh, I want to probably do like an acoustic version of it. And um, I'm also pretty, pretty well familiar with Adobe Creative Cloud. So I'm, I'm going to attempt to get some sort of animated music videos done. It might only be one because I mean, animation is like a whole time consuming thing in itself. Like <laughs> it's intense. But, you know, I've just been working on concept stuff at uh, the end of the, uh, 2015 you know, making different characters and uh, trying to come up with, like, an overall feel of, like, what the animation would be like. And so I want to make something that's really interesting, you know, visually, that goes along with the music. And, I mean, I've had some other kind of, like, conceptual, uh, I don't know, concepts of what I want to kind of do afterwards. Like, maybe, you know how they used to have, like, concept albums? Where it's, like, every song on the album kind of like goes in succession and tells a story from one point. Yes. to The end. Yes. And it's like, I was kind of thinking like toying with the idea of doing something like that. And, um, an example of maybe not like, you know, 12 songs or something, but maybe just like an EP. And I wanted to make an animation for each of those songs that kind of like dovetail together. So it'd be kind of like a short story, maybe like 20, 30 minutes or something like that. And, um, I know one artist who's done that. I forget what was it? Uh they did the song Midnight City. Um M- M83. M83. Yeah. M83. There's they did like three or four songs I think that kind of like were together, you know, like it wasn't like completely seamless, but it was the same kind of like I'm pretty sure they they numbered them almost like in a sequence, like it was a series of of uh music videos they did. I sure. That's a, and, that's um, a great so it's, idea,
0: man. It sounds time-consuming, you know, but I hope you can crank it out.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, and it would be definitely time-consuming. I don't know if I'll actually get to that this year, <laughs> but at least one animated music video. Um, you know, it's just like, I want to make something that's, that's more... I don't know. Not just like, oh, it's a song, and it sounds great, and I love it, and I want to listen to it and work out and whatever drive to downtown or you know it's like I want to make something that's got a little bit more depth and story behind it you know yeah something you know that could be I don't know it's all it's all (laughs) just ideas man it's all ideas I have a lot of strategy written out as far as like what I'm definitely going to do and then a ton of concepts
0: I know it's isn't it a shame when you're extra creative and all this stuff
1: just flies into your mind (laughs) Oh, my God. It, it's it's a blessing and a curse, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, best of luck to you. You know, If anybody wants to help James check out his stuff and uh, contribute to his forward motion, go to jamesmakan.com. That's J-A-M-E-S-M-A-K-A-N.com. We're going to put that in the show notes as well. That'll get you to his music and uh, his Facebook so you can see some of his concept animations and stuff and anything else he wants to show you. James, thanks so much for doing this, man. That was awesome.
1: Totally, dude. It was a pleasure.
0: And I hope everybody who is listening, hope you guys got a lot out of that and enjoyed it. That's going to be it for the EDM Producer Podcast for today. See you next time.